0: Beloved in the Lord, in Deuteronomy, God calls upon the king to write out a copy of the law to keep with him always. This is not a task that the king is supposed to delegate to someone else. He is supposed to physically write out that law so that he may take the law to heart. If you've ever done that done some copying it helps you learn it helps you it helps you understand the the words that are there because then you take time to read them the king is called to a deep familiarity with the law so though we're not a call we're not called to obey this particular law we're not called to copy out scripture today The principle still stands. Those who are called to positions of leadership, of rule, must seek wisdom in that from the emperor of the universe. And insofar as all Christians share in the kingly office of our Lord Jesus, we are all people of God called toward this same diligence toward the law of God. The elders of the church together with the deacons are called to rule over the house of God. They, and particularly the elders, are called to make judgments concerning the worship, the membership, the direction of the church. Like the king of Israel, they rule as servants of God. They are under-shepherds that God has established over the congregation of Christ. And that means that as much as possible, they are to seek to understand God's desires. They're held, as it were, to a higher standard because they have people under their care. And God has given us a place where he has revealed his desires, the scriptures. God gives us a book that will make us wise for salvation. That's one of the phrases we read in 14 through 16. Wise for salvation. Those who are entrusted with God's flock ought to be wise for salvation so that they may be the application of Christ's work of calling and preserving his church consistory, pastor, elders, deacons, they're working out that call of Christ to come and to drink of the water of life. We, the officers of the church, are the means Christ uses to supply the means of grace, the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments, so that every person in the congregation may be equipped for his task of living according to the gospel. I proclaim to you the word of the Lord under the theme, listen to the word. Listen. We can tend to think of listening as something passive, something we receive. We don't need to do anything. But if we think about it a little longer, we will realize that there's a real activity in listening. Reading is a type of listening. You can read something off without thinking about it, or you can read and hear the words come into your head. We're called to analyze, ponder, and apply the things that we hear. God wants active listeners. Paul is calling Timothy to an active listening so that he may use the word of God to make the man of God complete. Paul is speaking to Timothy in a context where the old world seems to be falling apart. The last days at the beginning of chapter 3 refer to the time that will come shortly for Timothy, the breakup of the old world of Judaism centered on the temple and the inauguration of the age of the church. In that time, many false prophets will rise up, and anyone who desires to follow the righteousness of Christ will be persecuted." that continues to go on through history. We see parallels to our own day where our system is breaking down due to the the pressures from COVID-19. Meanwhile false prophets run rampant and the faithful grow smaller by the day. Where do you find strength in such a time? And Paul draws Timothy's eyes to Jesus Christ. But as for you, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. What has Timothy learned and firmly believed? He has learned that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one who has come as an offering for the sins of the world. That's what the whole word is ultimately about. And that is Timothy's ultimate certainty as he's faced by the pressures that come from every direction, as he experiences persecution from fellow Jews and later from Romans. In all this, he has a firm foundation in Christ. Christ will hold him and keep him. So who, and the who is plural here, Who did he learn this from well first from paul that seems the most obvious answer who himself witnessed the risen christ paul presents himself as an example to timothy in our in our reading earlier he has said you however have followed my teaching my conduct my aim in life or my life my faith my patience my love my steadfastness and not only Paul, but the fellow workers of Paul, others who have witnessed Christ. And particularly his heart was prepared through this me- for this message by studying the Old Testament from the time of his youth. So the Old Testament testified and prepared him for the message from Paul and from the other witnesses Uh, With Paul. But ultimately, Timothy has learned this from Christ. From Christ himself, through Christ's Spirit. Paul and others speak for Christ as imperfect vessels. But the Word of God is the Word of Christ, and that's where Timothy has learned. Christ. Who did we learn Christ from? From our parents, from our teachers, our pastors, but again ultimately from Christ himself as he speaks to us out of the pages of Scripture. And the Lord Jesus has chosen you for the same purpose, so that you may be vessels of the scripture to the church. And yes, we are imperfect vessels of that tradition. What does tradition mean? It means a handing down over the generations. This, the Bible, that's the ultimate tradition that we're handing down over the generations. And so, yes, we're imperfect vessels of that tradition, We carry our own biases with that. But that's why Paul's next point is to point beyond himself to a sacred word that has no error, the word of God. He points to Timothy's own training in that word as a bedrock for what he learned from Paul. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And these sacred writings that Paul refers to here, he's, he's talking about the Old Testament. Remember that the New Testament at this point, is it's still in the process of being written. Timothy is steeped in the Old Testament. He was steeped in that before he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what prepared him to receive Jesus Christ. It's the word of God that provides Timothy with the strength to remain in Christ as he approaches an uncertain future. This deep immersion in scripture from youth is sometimes sometimes called inscripturation. Of course, this is not limited to the Old Testament and and in our day we would right away think of the entire Bible. We want to instill in our children from an early age a love for all of Scripture. And I hope that you men who have been chosen for the office of elder and deacon are full of gratitude for a lifetime of of learning that Scripture. Many of us have had that Scripture from our youth. That's a glorious gift and not one to be taken lightly. Too often, it's the newcomers to the faith that truly value the Scriptures, while those who have been raised in it do not value their birthright. That inscripturation makes Timothy wise for salvation. What does that mean? It means that Timothy has a deep understanding of who God is and what he desires for his church. Now, the word salvation, we shouldn't have a narrow understanding of what the word salvation here means. It doesn't not merely mean here getting to heaven. It's a lot bigger than that. It refers to the plan of salvation, the nature of the righteousness that comes with salvation. You're saved so that you might do good works. And the wisdom of salvation, choosing, making the right choices that are proper to a life of a saved person. The word salvation here refers to the breadth and the width of what God is doing in and through the church and beyond the church. His continual offer of salvation and renewal to the whole of creation. Timothy is given this so that he might strengthen those entrusted to his care on that path of salvation. And that brings us to verse 16. Paul broadens his scope from the Old Testament to all Scripture, the Scriptures. That includes, in this context, whatever writings of the New Testament that Timothy has access to. And for us, of course, the entire Bible. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All of it is the Word of God given to us. The implication is that none of the Scripture we have is arbitrary, unhelpful. Even though we may not understand every part, we may not understand why God adds certain things in Scripture, we know that it is from God. And if it comes from God, it, it is meant to make us wise in relating with one another in the household of God, the church. That means it should be my primary source for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. These four things come in two pairs. The first, teaching and reproof, better translated refutation, so teaching and refutation, highlight the importance of the character and the works of God in Scripture. We teach, for example, that Christ is the Messiah, that he is true God. We refute those who claim otherwise. The second pair, correction and training in righteousness, highlight the life of the Christian before God. We seek to correct those who are drawn away from Christ through sexual immorality, through substance abuse or other seductions that come from the world. On the other hand, we call the man of God to grow in his understanding of what God desires in his life. So we warn, for, for example, the young person who is tempted to find joy in drink, while encouraging him to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy that comes from God. So, in a way, we hear this phrase, doctrine in life, so often, right? This summarizes that. And the purpose? So that the man of God may be complete. The word complete here refers to a wholeness. We might call it a holistic outlook. This man of God is not one-sided in his understanding of God's call in his life. Say he values the worship of God on Sunday without applying that to his week. He's not one-sided in his understanding of Scripture. He really understands the end times well, but he doesn't really understand Genesis all that well. Neither is the man of God divided so that he says one thing and does another, or confesses something with his mouth without holding to it in his heart. That's what it means to be complete. We are complete in Christ, and over time we grow in that completeness. How does that work? It works by growing in the way that Christ has provided. It's a movement from completeness to completeness, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. And so, and this completeness comes along with being equipped, being equipped for every good work. That's part of our wholeness. the the job of the rulers of the church is to prepare the flock for the various situations God will bring into their lives? Do you have an understanding of God's eternal love so that you are prepared to suffer for his sake? Do you know that you have the Spirit so that you may be assured that God will keep your feet from slipping from his path of salvation? Do you understand the nature of God's generosity so that you too will show hospitality in the way that you live before him? I want to now draw out three implications from this passage as you seek to listen to the word of God. The first is negative. Don't grow lazy in seeking God through his word. The second, be patient in seeking God through his word. And finally, use that word. And all this, cultivate a humility toward the word. People will see that Christ-like humility and will desire to imitate you. If you remember from a reading from Deuteronomy 17, one of the byproducts of reading the law is that David does not count himself as more important than his brothers. It gives him a humility before his subjects. So first, uh, warning not to grow lazy. Timothy is called to continue, to keep going. He heard the word. He firmly believed the word. He has studied the word from a young age. He is called to continue. That suggests a steadfastness along with a continual receiving of God's gifts. It's easy to simply rely on the knowledge we have reached in a certain point in our life and coast on that. I'm I'm told that in in a variety of different careers, you can, over time, differentiate between those who coast on what they have learned at a certain point in their life And those who continue to learn. If that's true of earthly things, how much more of heavenly things? Pastors may receive a master's degree in theology, but the truth is no man can master the depth and the width of the knowledge that is found in Scripture. Those who are called to be wise for salvation as they oversee the church ought to be the first to spend time in Scripture. Our rod and staff should not be strengthened by our own wisdom, but by the wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom that comes from above is something that needs to be replenished every day. We must heed the call of the Lord to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding in order to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's from Colossians 1. It's not a task that is accomplished by a mastery of our confessions even. This is a good beginning but it's by no means the end of our task so continue to read continue to study our next point then is as much a comfort as a warning be patient as you grow in the wor- in the word God has worked in the church in all kinds of times and places. Through the Holy Spirit, he has taught the church more and more about the Word of God. It's not only the Bible that's impossible to master, but the wisdom of the church through the ages in applying the Bible is impossible for any single man to master. In this process of discovery, many fully orthodox men have disagreed on how to apply Scripture. Sometimes one was wrong, sometimes both were wrong. We need to have patience for the wisdom of the Scripture to come to light. Through our experiences under Scripture, through our meditation upon Scripture, God reveals himself to us. If we're not patient, we may miss things. It's easy to fall into Biblicism. Biblicism is reading the Scriptures without wisdom, without taking time to compare and contrast Scripture, without seeking to understand what context the author was speaking to. A lot of the time, especially today, Biblicism can take the form of treating the Bible as an instruction manual. One example of Biblicism is Christian pacifism. Pacifism reads certain parts of the New Testament and call upon Christians to never take up a weapon. This ignores when and where Jesus was speaking, and it also ignores the rest of Scripture. And it takes time to understand Jesus' call, Jesus' words in the the Sermon on the Mount. I think an example in our circles is the matter of, of discipline. We have our steps of discipline, and it's easy to just follow them without care for individual differences from the case, for the cases. Christ it really says very little about the process of discipline other than laying out a couple steps. We need to have a sense of the whole world, word, everything the Bible says, in order to exercise discipline well. The Bible is, is not an instruction manual. It's not even a systematic theology. It's not even an instruction manual on worship. The Bible does not try to systematize theological truth. It's full of stories, proverbs, symbols, and principles, all written within a different context than our own. That means the Bible is something to be meditated on. We're supposed to spend time with the Word. You read it once, twice, three times. There are basic instructions in the Bible that we follow. Marriage is for one man and one wife. We are to worship through word and sacrament. We are called to submit to the civil magistrate. But it takes patience to understand how these principles apply in our lives and in our congregations. That's why Paul mentions Timothy's background here. Timothy has been steeped in the Word since his youth. If the Bible was simply an instruction manual on how to do church, Timothy wouldn't need that long exposure to the Word. He was immersed in the Word from an early age, and that's what makes him an able servant in preaching the Word of God. The scriptures, you see, they're the soil that we grow in. The Bible is the spiritual food that we digest, something that takes time so that our souls may be nourished. This type of attitude towards scripture also has the side effect of a humility toward the wisdom of God. And if we realize our humility toward the wisdom of God will also have a humility toward brothers and sisters in the church. Such an attitude also encourages the members in the church to in a trust toward their elders more than willing to obey the call of God to obey their elders. Right? If we're trustworthy, then it will be easy or easier for, for those in our care to trust us. Finally, it's important to underline here, we're called to use this word. That can be, seem almost counterintuitive after the call to patience with the word, but God calls us to use it. It's the sword that God has given us as a tool for the sake of the kingdom. We believe in the perspicuity of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture. That means that the central message of Scripture, Christ died and rose again, Christ is King, that's absolutely clear. The central commandment, love God and love your neighbor, that's clear. These are truths we must continually confirm to our congregation. We should not let the the mysteries of Scripture take away our confidence in the truth of Scripture. And we also have in this the promise of the Holy Spirit. So as John says, you know all things. That should give us a confidence in applying Scripture to our situation. God has promised that His Spirit will be with us. Sometimes we can grow afraid of of ruling well. We We don't have all the data. We don't have an approved method for this situation. But in those things, God promises to be with his people. God promises, Matthew 18, where there are two or three gathered together, I am there with them. So use the word. It's a little bit like exercise. You grow into it. The first time you exercise, you can only go so far. You only, in the case of the word, remember so much. But you keep going day by day until you become stronger or faster or develop a greater endurance. In the same way, use use of the sword that God has given you will make you adept in God's ways. Yes, God has written Scripture so that it takes time and patience to understand it well, but we trust that he also intends that Scripture be understood. Sometimes we will only understand that God commands something, and we will simply obey without a full understanding of why. Sometimes it will be unclear how some commandment of God applies to our contemporary situation. And sometimes God will grant us a deep understanding of some act or commandment of God that will give us a depth of insight. In all these situations, we're called to rule in whatever positions of authority we are given. Especially as elders, deacons, leaders of the church, we're called to make decisions in the moment. And we trust that in these situations, God is with us. Understanding where we are and accurately assessing our level of understanding also gives us the patience and wisdom to be taught, to learn from those who are older and have more experience, to learn from those who have been given insight. And in all this, again, do not refrain from using that word. Teach, teach your children about the word of God. Remind one another about the doctrines of Christ. Take the time to understand them so that you may share them with those God has put in your care. Refute, watch out for doctrines that deny the gospel of Christ and take time to demonstrate from scripture where your ward members are misled. Correct, when you see a sheep wander off and seek the delights of the world, go after him and call him back to the fold of Jesus Christ. And even, I want to say something here, even, even if they're excommunicated, there's no formal need to go after them, but there's still a sense, there should be a sense of duty, a desire that if that person desires to meet with me, I still desire to bring them back to the fold of Christ. Train, encourage the members of the church in loving righteousness and living their whole lives as sacrifices to Jesus. You are given the Holy Scriptures so that you and all those whom God has given you may be complete, equipped for every good work. And remember in all of this, the gospel. This is not of your own strength, but through the Spirit of God who is working in you. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.